0: I'm your host, Michael Slate, and we have a very special show today, so let's jump into it right away, okay? This month is the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. This comes at a time when the Supreme Court stands poised to end this key human right for women. Ending a woman's right to choose, to control her own body, has been a central goal of the fascists in the U.S., including the fascists on the Supreme Court. At the back end of the show, we'll hear voices from a January 22nd rally at the Supreme Court, the opening action of Rise Up for Abortion Rights. We'll hear Rosanna Arquette, Meryl Hoffman, and Sansara Taylor. Before that, we'll hear a piece by Bob Avakian, the author of The New Communism. The oppression of women bound up with this system, a driving force for revolution, and that's taken from B.A. Speaks, Revolution Nothing Less. And before that, we'll hear Carl Dix. We'll hear from Carl Dix calling for support the hunger strikers at Flickers Island, okay? And this is an outrageous situation out there. Rise Up for Abortion Rights was founded just this month. We heard about it from Sansara Taylor on last week's show. We'll hear more from another initiator, but I want to mention that the interview with Lori Sokol took place January 21st, the day before the action at the Supreme Court. So keep that in mind. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show Dr. Lori Sokol. Now, she is the executive director of Women's E! News, and one of the co-initiators of the effort Rise Up for Abortion Rights. Rise Up for Abortion Rights is going to protest in front of the Supreme Court, and this will be the beginning of a rising number of pro-choice actions. Lori, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, it's certainly a pleasure to hear your voice, knowing what, you're, what you folks are doing. It's extremely important, and it's something that well, I want to get as much <laughs> talking with you now um, as we can, because I, and we're going to have you back after you know in the weeks that follow, because this is one of the major points where people who demand a life that people can live, that women can be treated as actual human beings, and they they're fighting for this. So, I wanted to ask you, you know, in particular, since you're you're involved in doing all this, tell us what the plan is for January twenty second.
1: Okay. Uh, well, as you said, uh, tomorrow is the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion in this country. But more than just legalizing abortion, right, it uh, gave women complete ownership over their bodies, which, you know, some people will think, well, of course, people should have ownership over their bodies. But until 1973, that was not the case. And it is being threatened. It is being threatened throughout this country in some states that we know More clearly, that in Texas, for example, and now in Mississippi and other states, things have gotten to the point, or past the point, where it's not just hearsay anymore. Women are going to be dying if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So we're going to be appealing, of course, peacefully, completely peacefully, because that's really the only thing that works anyway, and it's the right thing to do, to discuss why... We need to reach out to citizens of this country, need to get involved. You know, just like most people, I was someone who I vote, right? And I think, okay, that's how I exercise my um, decision on who I wish to lead this country and to represent us to make laws and legislation. So, yes, I voted Democrat, of course, and I've been relying on that, although I do run Women's e- news a global women's news organization, and I have, I'm a writer, and I put my, my thoughts out there and publish information about women's rights all over the world. I haven't really gotten involved in being on the ground to the extent that is needed. Well, now there's no choice, and that's why I'm going to be there, and you know, really putting the rubber to the road, because if we as citizens do not go into the streets peacefully – and protest and rally for women's reproductive rights, we are going to lose them. What's unique about Rise Up for Abortion Rights, and it's Rise Up, the number four, abortionrights.org, and you can go onto the site and there's a statement and that can be signed. It's already been signed by people like Gloria Steinem, the, the formerly Eve Ensler, you know, who wrote the vagina monologues, Rosanna Arquette, director, activist, Kathy Najimi, also author and activist. The importance is we have to be proactive instead of reactive. What has been happening and what I've been watching, as well as everybody else watching in this country and outside of this country, that even though our elected Democratic readers believe in women's right to abortion, they are not doing enough. President Biden has not used the word abortion in any of his speeches. Okay, we know that uh, they would like trying to protect it. But now it's just been a question of trying to keep it, I mean, it's, it's almost like uh, it's already been acknowledged that R. V. v. Wade is going to be overturned. And states are now rushing to codify abortion rights in their individual states, believing that the federal government, the U.S. Supreme Court, will overturn Roe v. Wade within the next few months. And this is terrifying, and we cannot allow that to happen. So, unfortunately, our Democratic leaders who represent us and have been voted in are just being reactive, and it's not enough. And if we look at anything that has resulted in the changes to laws that are unfair in any country, it's always been by the public taking to the streets in peaceful rallies and in peaceful ways. For example, in Iceland, they observed what was called the Women's Day Off, where over 90% of Icelandic women participated. By not going to work and by doing no housework. And that was to protest that women were being paid like 40% of every, for every dollar that a man in Iceland was paid. And as a result of that, a law was passed in 1976 banning wage discrimination on the basis of gender. In Liberia, the uprising in Liberia, uh, peace activist Rima Bowie led, rallied women and pressured leaders into ending. Liberia's civil war, which resulted in the saving of an untold number of innocent lives, children as well, who were being recruited to go to war. And most recently in Poland in September of 2021, thousands flooded the streets in Warsaw after a 30-year-old woman died of septic shock in her 22nd week of pregnancy. The doctors there did not perform an abortion, even though her fetus was lacking amniotic fluid, according to the lawyer for her family. She died because of that. Why do we have to get to that point, you know, for women to die? Because what's going to happen if Roe v. Wade is overturned, there will be illegal abortions. Those who are against abortion believe they're saving lives. Well, actually, more lives will end because women will have to seek illegal abortions. And I know I am a white middle-class woman, right? Um, I know That people like me of of my race and my income level and higher are saying that, well, we can always get an abortion or I can always make sure my daughter or my niece or my sister can get an abortion. I'll just fly them to a state where abortion is legal, even if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Well, good for you, but (laughs) that's not good enough. We have to think about all these people who cannot afford to fly to a different state those who are uh, lower income people primarily and unfortunately still people of color who tend to be in the um, you know the low wage minimum wage jobs just trying to make ends meet they can't afford to go to another state to fly to another state they can't even afford to take time off one day to do that so they're being forced to go about doing it illegally in those states where it becomes illegal and that's going to result in an untold number of innocent deaths to these pregnant women.
0: I I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about how much this voice these things have, have to be out there in society because there's a lot of people who think well it's you know come on we've been hit over the head endlessly but if you uphold abortion you're talking about killing babies you know that was like something that was like you know when I was a kid that was like they were still they were yelling that they were hollering, they were making everybody think that if you needed an abortion, you were actually advocating killing babies. I really wanted to g- dig in a little bit more to this about why did you decide to become a co-initiator of Rise Up for Abortion Rights? Tell people what that is and why you think that anybody who is against the enslavement of women be part of it. That whole uh, choice of word that I use about the, the enslavement of women. This is something that's right at the heart of this. And it's, I think it's something that people really have to understand. What the hell is going on with that and what do we need to do to get out of it?
1: the reason why i am stepping out of my safe safeties on the, and stepping out of my lane at this point and with rise up for abortion rights is because this organization unlike others is unique in its assertion that not only are republican leaders bent on eliminating women's reproductive rights but that too many pro-choice leaders and democratic party politicians preach a realism of accepting the court's gutting of abortion rights. It's already been accepted, as I said. They're being reactive. Well, maybe we can, we'll fight it, even if it's overturned, we'll, we'll try to fight it after that. And that's not okay. Women are going to die. If we leave this to Congress, the courts, and state legislatures, and do not fill the streets with people determined to stop this, then there is virtually no hope to stopping this assault. It's like, this is the time, and this has to be done. So between January 22nd and March 8th, which is International Women's Day, when we will be back again, not only in the Supreme Court, but all over the country, peacefully protesting and gathering people between now and then around the country in every state to step out, step out of their lane and demonstrate and show why this is important. We're talking about people's lives here. You know, it was about three, four years ago. This is not the first time I will be at the steps of the Supreme Court for this reason, but three or four years ago and there was something that was being deb- debated in Texas, of course, about women's right to choose. And then so you had the two groups, those who are pro abortion and those who are anti choice. So originally of course I was on the side of, of choice and I held up my signs, whatever. But then I walked over, which is what I usually do because I think discussion it's very important to understand the other side. So I walked over a few feet to where those who were anti-choice were protesting with their signs, and uh, they saw me approaching. They weren't sure what I was going to say, but I just really wanted to talk to one or two people and find out, like, where, what is this? How can you um, support something like this? So it was actually a... Or, or be against women's reproductive rights when you were a woman yourself. See, that's the part I, I have difficulty with. So at the end of was. I started talking to a 15-year-old girl. My mother was standing by to listen, but I ended up just talking to her, and she looked at me and she said, you would hope that I would be dead. You would want me dead. And I looked at her and I said, well, why do you say that? And she says, because you believe in abortion, and I could be dead now. I never been born because you believe in abortion. And I said, no, actually, it's the exact opposite. It's because I want you to live. And it was right after... Uh, it was just reported in the news that a fifteen year old girl, I don't remember what state, um, a fifteen year old didn't want to tell her parents she was she became pregnant, used a pencil to put up a vagina to try to abort. And I told and the woman she almost died. She almost died. She had to rush to the emergency room, she lost so much blood. I said, It's the opposite. I want you to be healthy, I want you to stay safe, I want you to be alive. The pro- she looked at me she had never heard this before because she she was surrounded by people she's a young girl and by those who were telling her, and then you know <laughs> her whole life probably uh, not to be pro choice and she looked at me stunned. she never heard that story before. Her mother then walked over to me and we started talking more about that and she what it came down to as we kept discussing my, why I support reproductive choice, and she doesn't what it came down to was she said to me. I'm trying to save you," she said to me, and I said, "What do you mean you're trying to save me?" She says, "Because if you support abortion, you are going to hell, and I don't want you to spend eternity in hell." And I said, "Well, you know, that's really not your responsibility. <laughs> Number one, uh, I don't believe in hell. Uh, you know, being Jewish, I don't believe it. Um, so, I, I just said, really, but that's whether." no matter what my religion, if I don't believe in hell, then it's not for her to save me uh, or to save those who are pro-women's you know, reproductive choice. And we actually parted, and it was uh, we, just, we disagreed. But the point is this. It's very important to, for it to be peaceful, to, to be educational, which is what we're going to be doing tomorrow, right? And when we do go further between tomorrow and March 8th, International Women's Day, to spread the word, and to try to increase the numbers throughout the country in every state to walk with us is for that that understanding that we are doing this to save women's lives. And what I'd also like to see is more men involved, because as we know, unless anyone knows any different, a woman cannot get pregnant without a man, right? I mean, he does have responsibility, (laughs) but what shocks me is that at any of these marches, maybe 1%, 2% of men are there to support women's right to abortion. Um, men benefit as well, right? If, if it's an unwanted abortion, if the kids are too young, or a host of reasons. It doesn't have to even, it's women's right. Men need to be supporting us in that because it's also, you know, important for them, right? <laughs> you know, to, uh, for women's right.
0: To choose. And not, and, to, men- not uh, to mention, uh, that like-
1: no, go ahead, you go Okay, ahead. I was going
0: to say, and not to mention that we're talking about humanity here. We're talking about a, a, you know an important part of humanity. Let's say, you know, and so so women do have the right to keep themselves alive, and this is not this is not something that's that that our be-
1: right to keep, right, our right to keep ourselves alive. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fundamental. Who can argue?
0: Well, you know, there's a lot of idiots out there, i telling you. I have to move on now, but I really am, am, am just... It would be my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks okay. you for your time. Okay, thank you very much. All right, this is... Uh, this I want to tell you that this was... That was actually something I thought was really, really very good. So now let's take a musical break, and I'll be right back. Stay tuned for Carl Dix.
2: Oh, where have you been, my blue-eyed son? Oh, where have you been, my darling young one? I've stumbled on the side of twelve misty mountains I've walked and I've crawled on six crooked highways I've stepped in the middle of seven sad forests A dozen dead oceans. I've been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard, and it's hard, and it's hard, and it's hard, and it's hard. It's a hard rain, are gonna fall.
0: That was Joan Baez, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. Now let's hear Carl Dix on the hunger strike at Rikers Island.
3: Okay, this is Carl Dix. I'm a longtime revolutionary follower of Bob Avakian and co-initiator of the Stop Mass Incarceration Network and the campaign to Stop, Stop, and Frisk. And I'm calling on you to stand in solidarity with the hunger strikers at Rikers Island. Because look, 200 people incarcerated at rikers island have been refusing food since saturday morning january 7th they're protesting hellish and inhumane conditions freezing temperatures inside the facility where they're kept mail being withheld no visits allowed from family no video conferences with their attorney. Their hearings are being canceled because the authorities say we cannot produce the prisoners. The complex that they're held in contains four metallic dormitories. With freezing temperatures, there's no insulation in these dormitories. With COVID spreading, there are no individual cells, just beds jammed close together. There's no prison staff to mediate disputes or to deal with fights. I call on everyone who stands against injustice to stand with these courageous hunger strikers. Because look, look at what it's like to be in Rikers Island and what it signifies. 87% of the people there are either Black or Latino. 1,500 people are held in New York City jails and have been held for more than a year awaiting trial. And most of these people are in Rikers Island. 16 inmates died at the prison in 2021. People held at Rikers are subject to beatings at the hands of the guards and other prisoners. People held in solitary confinement at this prison experienced conditions that amount to torture. Conditions like the ones that led to Kalief Browder, a man who was arrested at 16, held for three years at Rikers Island, most of it in solitary confinement for a crime that he did not commit. This led to him committing suicide after he was released. These conditions are a concentrated expression of the reality and functioning of the capitalist imperialist system. Its prisons along with its cops and courts are an important part of how the system controls people and enforces racial oppression and degradation on oppressed people, people the system has no future for. I have called this a slow genocide targeting black and brown people. And it's a genocide that could easily become a fast one. Now, we have to confront the hard but liberating truth that this system can't be reformed. The exposure of horrors like the conditions at Rikers have generated outrage and resistance. In response, politicians like former New York Mayor de Blasio and past mayors spoke honeyed words of ending prison abuses and even of closing Rikers. Yet today, the conditions are worse than ever there. And the newly elected pig mayor, Eric Adams, wants to reinstate solitary confinement at Rikers Island. He wants to bring back plainclothes police task forces like the one that murdered Amadou Diallo in a hail of 41 bullets. He wants to reinstate stop and frisk, and he wants more funding for the police. So more people suffer these horrors, more lives and dreams and hopes crushed and destroyed. Now, the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian, has analyzed that the only way to end the epidemic of police terror, mass incarceration, murder by police, and all the other horrors this system enforces on humanity is through an actual revolution. Millions of people rising up to overthrow the system, a system that can only function by treating people like this. The Rikers hunger strikers are setting a bold example. All those that this system has targeted with being hemmed in, beaten down, locked up, and even killed off need to follow that example. As Bob Avakian has said, and this is a quote, instead of fighting and killing each other, what people need to be doing now is uniting to defend each other, opposing all unjust violence, not launching attacks on anyone, but at the same time, not allowing the police or civilian fascist thugs to wantonly brutalize and murder people. And people need to do this as part of building up the forces for revolution. Further, Bob Avakian has analyzed that given the fierce infighting between the Trump led fascist forces and Biden and the Democrats at the top of the system, the normal ways the system operates are being unraveled. And this is creating conditions and a time when revolution becomes possible. So it's very timely for people to get with this revolution right now. The hunger strikers at Rikers need support and solidarity. Christopher Boyle, an attorney who represents some of the people refusing food has been told that his phone number has been blocked by the Rikers authorities. This means that retaliation may be going on inside the prison against the hunger strikers but no news of it is getting to the outside world. If it hurts you to your heart, when you hear of people being subjected to this kind of injustice, stand with these bold resistors at Rikers Island. And if you wanna see all these horrors ended and ended once and for all, dare to become part of the revolution we need to do just that. That's my statement. Again, I'm Carl Dix. Check me out on social media at carl underscore hit me back about feedback and comments on my statement in support of the rikers island hunger strikers hit me back with questions comments and to get connected with the revolution also check out the revolution nothing less show on the youtube channel and the website revcom.us that's it i'm out
0: all right welcome back and that was carl dix as he as he mentioned and Now we're going to hear Bob Avakian, or B.A., the author of The New Communism, speaking about the oppression of women bound up with this this system, a driving force for revolution. Now this is from B.A. Speaks, revolution, nothing less. So Check this out now.
4: Now earlier I spoke to the fact that the division of society into masters and slaves, into different classes, developed together with the oppression of women. These were very tightly bound together in their historical development and have remained so throughout the course of history since that time through different kinds of societies. And today we can see the ways in which the oppression of women, not just in a particular country, but on a world scale, continues to feed the functioning of this capitalist imperialist system. Not only, as I pointed out, is it highly profitable in the billions and billions of dollars to oppress women in sex trafficking, prostitution, and pornography, but also the backward conditions that are maintained and enforced by the functioning and the military power of the imperialist countries throughout the third world lead to a situation where many women are outcast and desperate and highly vulnerable to being exploited in this vast network of sweatshops that is at the foundation of imperialist capital in the world today. You know, I think of the phenomenon of people standing in line for the latest gadget from Apple. And I have to say, it makes me mad. I say to myself, what the f is the matter with you people? You can stand in line overnight. For the latest gadget from Apple, but you can't stand up to oppose wars and torture and mass incarceration and the degradation of women. What the hell is the matter with you people? Now, to be clear, those people standing in line are not the enemy. But what is represented by Apple, and not just Apple unto itself, but the whole system and the network of exploitation that Apple is a part of and enmeshed in, is what needs to be swept aside. I mean, when you're at the end of the food chain in a country like this, living parasitically, even if you're not in the ruling class, off of people all over the world, once again, sometimes all this can be hidden from you. You do not see the blood and the bones, the worn down fingers and other body parts of particularly women who are working in the plants in places like China making the components that go into the apple products and all these other things under horrific conditions. You do not see the people in Bangladesh making many of the clothes that you're wearing. And when you leave here and go home tonight, look in your closet and see how many uh, of your clothes you can find are not made in the third world. And you can be sure if they are made in places like Bangladesh, Haiti, Pakistan, or whatever, that they're made through a lot of child labor and in any case extreme conditions of sweatshop exploitation. But we do not that the products don't come with this stamped on them. You don't pick up an iPhone, press a button, and the blood of the women who made it comes gushing out. But it's there, even though you can't see it. And imperialism feasts on this. Don't let them fool you with their talk about microloans. Let's have some microloans for poor women in the third world so they can set up a business and exploit other women and then in their large numbers fail anyway. This is not what the imperialist system is doing. This is a tiny countercurrent to the massive exploitation on which of these very kinds of women on which this system rests. And look at this country. Not only is there the great value to imperialist capital of super exploitation of women in the third world, but in this country, it's a fact that the social relations that oppress women are critical for holding together this whole oppressive system, which has historically evolved with male domination, a key foundation of the whole system a foundation stone built into its whole structure. Think about the family and how people live and reproduce in this society. Everything in this society is based on commodity production and exchange. You don't have little groups of people all making overwhelmingly the things they need and then using them themselves. There's vast networks of exploitation in this country but increasingly in other parts of the world producing all these things and then you have to get some means by working in some way or other to have the basis of uh, to have the commodity money to go buy these things that's the way the economy works and all of it gets funneled through the what these reactionaries are always reminding us is the basic unit and cell of this society the family and the whole family has evolved historically with women being subordinate to men and having as one part of that the prime responsibility for the domestic aspect of things, including the rearing of children and things like just doing the everyday work of the house. And there have been some changes in this society. More women in the professions, more women going to college, more women working in a lot of ways. And all this has put tremendous strains on these oppressive relations but it hasn't broken them because this system cannot do without these relations. And so you have this tremendous potential eruption where these, the changes in the economy are straining against the limitations of the oppression of women and other exploitative and oppressive relations, but the system cannot do without them. Now, as one illustration of this, I was reading an article in the New York Times about a phenomenon in the South where some of these men who had fairly good-paying industrial jobs, once again the phenomenon, the companies closed down, move the, the factories away, the men are out of work, the women are going out and getting the jobs and service and whatever that are available to them that they can get, but the men are largely sitting on their couches, drinking their beer and moping. And one of the author of this article asked one of these men, well, why don't you go out and get one of these jobs that these women are doing? He said, no, I, I can't do that. It's not man's work. I just wouldn't feel like a man if I had a job like that. This captures a lot about the contradictions of this system and how it's intensifying. And in reading this, I was thinking about what Engels wrote in The Origin of the Family, Private Property in the State, and talking about the Roman Empire, Engels, who along with Marx, founded the communist movement. He was talking about agriculture in the declining period of the Roman Empire that it had been based on slave plantations called latifundia. But as the Roman Empire went into decline, the plantations, the slave plantations, the latifundia became less and less profitable. And so they broke down, and people had to go back into small-scale farming But all of the former slave owners or almost all of them wouldn't go back and do actual farm work even though the plantations were no longer profitable because they considered it beneath their dignity to do that kind of work. And Engels pointed out this contributed to the decline and weakening of Rome and made it more and more vulnerable to the barbarians that were increasingly at the gate and battering at the gate. And I was thinking about these men saying, I can't do that. It's not man's work. It doesn't make me feel like a man. How this represents a straining of the changes have brought about straining against the oppressive relations. And I was thinking about how in parallel to Rome, how this could also contribute to the further declining and weakening of this oppressive system and make it more vulnerable to the barbarians, namely us now the oppression of women and all the horrors bound up with it can be ended and something radically different and emancipating brought into being now let's be honest to many especially many women this may not seem possible and frankly hard to believe But that is not only because of the way things are now and the way so many men act so much of the time, but more fundamentally because of the way things are now sets a certain framework and tone for people's thinking. Because the possibility of radical change cannot be seen to the degree that our vision and our sense of reality and of possibility is still confined within, conditioned by, and filtered through the dominating relations that are are at the foundation of this whole system. And the traditions, values, ways of being and of thinking that constantly pour forth from and serve to perpetuate this system that we are forced to live under. In this way, they get us twice. Their system embodies and enforces all this horrific oppression and it has people believing that this cannot be done away with. But the truth, which they try every way to keep people from seeing, is that we can be rid of this horrific oppression. But we can't do this by accepting the terms of this system or any part of its oppression. We can't do it half stepping and halfway. That is why Basics 322 makes it very clear. You cannot break all the chains except one. You cannot say you want to be free of exploitation and oppression, except you want to keep the oppression of women by men. You can't say you want to liberate humanity, yet keep one half of humanity enslaved to the other half. The oppression of women is completely bound up with the division of society into masters and slaves, exploiters and exploited, and the ending of all such conditions is impossible without the complete liberation of women. All this is why women have a tremendous role to play, not only in making revolution, but in making sure there is all the way revolution. The fury of women can and must be fully unleashed as a mighty force for proletarian revolution. And as this statement is also emphasizing, the fight against the oppression of women and for all the way revolution is not just their fight. It is a fight that must be fully and vigorously taken up by men as well, by everyone who really wants to see an end to this system and all the horrors it means for the masses of humanity. Everyone who wants to see an end to the long night in which humanity has been divided into masters and slaves, exploiters and exploited, who wants to see a dawning of a new day for humanity. The only people who should fear and not join in with This unleashed fury of women are those who have a real stake in this system and want to keep it going with everything it does to people.
0: That was Bob Avakian, or BA, on the oppression of women bound up with this system, a driving force for revolution. This is taken from his film, which is available on a DVD, BA Speaks, Revolution Nothing Less. To find out more about BA, go to revcom.us and click on the Bob Avakian section. Now we're going to hear voices from January 22nd, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade at a rally in front of the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. You can find more on the rally at the website riseupforabortionrights.org, spelled with the numeral 4. You can also follow them on social media, and you can find more news at revcom.us. So here is actor, director, and activist Rosanna Arquette in a pre-recorded statement heard at the rally.
5: We All of us in this democracy cannot afford to have fear. We cannot afford to be silenced. They want us to be afraid. Do not be afraid. If we pull back and look at the Texas law for what it really is, what it achieves, we can see the big picture. Texas is a laboratory of American authoritarianism. From the voter suppression laws To the law that puts their boots on our wombs. We are on the fast track to fascism, and its playbook runs right through our bodies. Women are the firewall to the burning destruction of fascism. We will codify our rights into law and make sure no wannabe strongman ever strips them from us
0: again. That was Rosanna Arquette. Now we'll hear Merrill Hoffman. Merrill Hoffman is the founder and CEO of Choices Women's Medical Center and an initiator of Rise Up for Abortion Rights as she speaks of her experience providing abortions for 50 years and the need to rise and struggle now to protect this right. Her speech was briefly interrupted by a crowd of anti-abortion counter-protesters who failed to stop the rally. Today
6: is the 49th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision And I am here to announce that women's rights are in a state of emergency. Women's lives are in a state of emergency, and women's freedom is in a state of emergency, okay? Now, the theme of the anti-abortion march yesterday was equality starts in the womb, and they are calling Abortion, the ultimate form of discrimination. This is the second great lie. Mm -hmm. Be aware, be conscious. This hanger I want you to look at, I brought this with me because this represents the past, the present, and the future of women and girls in this country. The past is this is what one of many types of things that women would use before abortion was legal. And very often the hanger was something that was available mm-hmm. and they would insert this into their cervix and their uterus and often die or butcher themselves. That was the past. Currently in states like texas and 27 others that are jumping over themselves the legislatures to try and do creative anti-choice legislation like the heartbeat bill women will once again have to go back mm-hmm. and if the republicans and the fundamentalists have their way this hanger and what this represents will be the future for women in this country. 50 years ago, 50 years ago, I saw the first patient at Choices Women's Medical Center. Center I founded. This was in 1971, and abortion had been legal in New York for three years and four other states before Roe v. Wade. This woman was married, she had children, she had three children, and she didn't want to be pregnant. She couldn't be pregnant. And she was terrified, because two days before, abortion was a crime, a sin, something terrible. And with legalization, she could come with her husband and have a safe procedure, so I talked with her. I was very young, and there was no such thing as counseling, but it was one woman helping another, and I stayed with her throughout her procedure, and I held her hand very tightly, and it was her hand, that intimate, personal connection that wedded me to this struggle that catalyzed my mission and that's also brought me here 50 years later and i understood i understood very deeply that abortion is and the choice of abortion is a fundamental civil right and it is a decision about power and survival What they don't understand is that there will always be abortion. Women have laid themselves down and their bodies down in filth and fear through the ages because they understand that it is their power that must decide when and whether or not they become mothers. So nothing stops abortion. But what it does, what these laws will do, will raise the hangar high again and raise the death and destruction of women. Now, I organized with a couple of the women here the first pro-choice civil disobedience in 1989 in front of St. Patrick's Cathedral. I want to see more of this. We have to be on the streets. (laughs) And I organized this because Operation Rescue came into New York and they invaded clinics, and they they harassed, and they even killed some of them, friends of mine. You know, Dr. David Gunn was gunned down. So let me be very clear. We held up our proclamation, and I want to read this to you because these are the transcendent principles the principles of our movement one women are full moral agents with the right and ability to choose when or whether or not they will be mothers two abortion is a choice made by each individual for profound personal reasons that no man or state should judge and let me state There is a difference between the chooser and the choice. The woman who will carry that fetus must choose. I am not committed to her choice. None of us should be. We have to just ensure legal abortion, and who chooses this has to be the woman. That's right. Three, the right to make reproductive choice is women's legacy throughout history and belongs to every woman, regardless of age, class, race, religion, ethnicity, or sexual preference. Four, abortion is a life-affirming act, chosen within the context of women's reality, women's lives, and women's sexuality. And last, abortion is often the most moral choice in a world that frequently denies health care, housing, education, and economic survival. And now we must look in the mirror and ask, what am I doing in this struggle? We will not look to these holds this marble structure for justice. We have to look within ourselves for justice, within ourselves. We have to take out the, the shame and the guilt and understand that we have a right to this fundamental choice. We have a right
0: to this. That was Merle Hoffman of the Choices Women's Medical Center a lifelong defender of abortion rights. Now we'll hear Sansara Taylor, writer for RevCom.us and co-initiator of Rise Up for Abortion Rights.
7: All right, listen, we are in a very important place here today. Most people in this country who believe that women are full human beings, not incubators, not baby-making machines, most of these people do not know that today is the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade most of them don't know right now that if we don't change something drastically this could be the last year that women have the right to abortion legally and most of them have no idea the horror the nightmare that this will mean the deaths the foreclosed lives the women driven to take their lives or trapped in abusive relations or driven into poverty the horror and enslavement this means. Why don't these people on the pro-choice side know? It's not because the fascists who are out here in the streets, the women haters and theocrats, have not been clear. It's not because the fascist judges on this Supreme Court have not been clear. Most of the pro-choice people in this country are not waging this fight for this right, right now because the Democratic Party has capitulated in advance and won't even say the word abortion. And let's be honest, all too many of the so-called leaders of the so-called pro-choice movement are capitulating as well. Sure, some of them dress it up and they say, oh, we're trying to pass some proactive legislation to protect abortion in our local area for after Roe Falls. Or they say, we're gonna teach no. some women how to induce their own abortions no. for after Roe Falls. No. But all of this accepts the unacceptable, which is that women will lose the legal right to control their bodies and their lives, and that must not be accepted. Not today. That is not proactive. That is capitulation. If the Supreme Court. We're about to overturn Brown versus Board of Education and reestablish the gross segregation of separate but so called equal for black people. Would any decent person think your nation accept that and just plan to make it a little bit more tolerable in the new segregation? Hell no! And no decent person should accept the fall of Roe v. Wade and have the gall to call themselves a fighter for women. These so-called leaders of the so-called pro-choice movement are so enslaved to this system that they are willing to go along with the enslavement of women. And that is why we are here today, sisters and brothers. because it has fallen to us to step into the breach and to call forward the level of struggle in this society necessary to defeat this attack. And we need to wage this struggle, not just up up against the fascists and the women haters. We need to wage this fight up against this capitulationism. As the Rise Up for RiseUpForAbortionRights.org statement makes clear, the violent subjugation of half of society is nothing to accommodate to, prepare for, downplay, or prettify. It is something to be defeated. And I want to tell you, it can be defeated. We have seen the outpourings, the beautiful outpourings of fury of women rock the whole society in Poland in Mexico, in Argentina, and inspire the world. We have seen the beautiful rising of tens of millions of people in this country standing up against the police murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. We need to call forward that level of struggle in this country now. We need people rising up on the campuses, walking out of school, shutting it down. We need acts of courage and defiance in the arts, in the sciences, and in the streets. Start organizing now for March 8th, International Women's Day, across this country. We need marches and rallies and acts of courage in big cities and small towns, waking up millions more and going forward from there. We need, we need, we need to do this. We need to create a situation in this country where the women haters on the Supreme Court and everywhere else know that if they try to take this right away, their society will not be allowed to function. And as we wage this fight, we need to lift our heads and ask the big questions. Why are we still having to fight for this right 50 years after it was won? are we living in a society where half of the rulers are Christian fascist women haters and mega white supremacist insurrectionists and the other half, the Democrats, won't do jack to fight them. And is this the only kind of world possible? And for my part I will be fighting for the liberating truth. That all this ugliness and oppression is rooted in the system that rules over us. Capitalism, imperialism, and we need a revolution to bring this system down. That's right. I am, I am a follower of the revolutionary leader Bob Avakian, the architect of a new communism, who has written, not only developed a strategy for this revolution, but written a constitution for a radically liberating different society where women's basic right to abortion and birth control are foundational, but not only that, where women and others are given backing as they go up against and dig up all the leftover ways of thinking and relating that oppress and degrade women and differently gendered people and ending all other oppression. And I'm going to struggle with you to get with this revolution, to go to RevCom.us and read the new work from Baba Bakian something terrible or something liberating that lays out how this is a time when revolution can be made. But as I do that, I am going to be fighting to unite all who can be united in this struggle for abortion rights. And you should be too, to bring in people with different views of the future, different political programs to get there, different roads and even disagree fiercely over what we need to be going for in the end. But where all of us know that none of our futures is possible if we allow half of humanity, women and girls, to be enslaved. So we need to wage this fight together, sisters and brothers, and you are needed in this now. And siblings of all gender orientation, you are needed in this fight now. If you've never been an organizer before, join with us. We'll learn how to do it together because we have to rise to this moment in history. So let me close with this. At this moment, when the future of half of society is at stake and the character of society as a whole, we need to be giants. History, History is filled with examples of people who had right on their side and fought against tremendous odds and were victorious. It is also full of examples where people passively hope to wait it out, only to get swallowed up by a horror beyond what they ever imagined. The future is unwritten. Which one we get is up to us. No going back. No surrender. Abortion on demand and without apology.
0: You've been listening to voices from the January 22nd rally of Rise Up for Abortion Rights. There were more statements that we don't have time for on this show, but you can find them at revcom.us and at riseupforabortionrights.org, spelled with the numeral four. And that brings us to the end of yet another show. I want to thank my assistant producer, Henry Carson, my production assistant, Jeff Pryor, and each and every one of you for tuning in. If you want to share your thoughts and ideas about the show, or if you want to volunteer to be part of the show, write to me at mslate at the michaelslateshow.com once again that's Mslate at the michaelslateshow.com we're going out with revolution by Nina Simone talk to you again next week we're in the middle of a revolution because I see the face of things to come oh your constitution, well my friend, it's gonna have to bend. I'm here to tell you about the destruction of all the evil it will have to end.
3: I'm gonna get the lotion.